Welcome to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time, where we aim to break down barriers, demystify blindness, and promote real and lasting change. Join host David Steinmetz as he connects us with professionals who are making a positive impact in the community. These leaders help empower individuals who are blind or have other disabilities to live a full and inclusive life. Let's lean in as David kicks off today's conversation. Good afternoon and welcome to this episode of Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time. This show is really designed to demystify blindness by connecting with professionals in the community, thought leaders who are dedicated to removing barriers for people who are blind and vision impaired or have other disabilities to live a full and inclusive life including participating in the great American work experience. I'm really excited for today's show because my, my special guest today is Tanner Jers. He is the Managing Director at Accessibility Officer. Tanner is an expert in helping organizations become what he calls disability readiness. This refers to a company's ability to remove accessibility barriers in, within their organization, including their employees and their customers. Tanner also serves as a board member of Menus for All. He is an equity, bleh, sorry, <laughs> equity partner in Foresight Augmented Reality, which is a company that connects smart cities with accessibility solutions for people with disabilities. Farsight Augmented Reality recently um, developed an autonomous vehicle accessibility solution for people who are blind and visually impaired. Tanner has lots of experience in in this area. Uh, He has a bachelor's degree in communications from the University of Arizona. He has an MBA with an emphasis in HR management from Louisiana State University. And is, if that's not enough, is a U.S. Paralympian uh, from the Para-Pan-American Games, where he was a member of the wing team in uh, track and field. So welcome, Tanner. David, thank you so much, man. I'm so pumped to be here. It's been amazing getting to know you as a friend, as a, as a professional and a colleague. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's my pleasure. I, I agree. You know, we uh, have been friends for several years watching you grow in your career and your dedication to uh, improving the lives of uh, people who are blind in full inclusion through digital accessibility and, and various other means. So great to have you. Tanner, before we get uh, into our show, why don't you uh, provide a little background about Accessibility Officer for us? Yeah, totally. So again, thanks so much for having me. So I'm Managing Director of Accessibility Officer. We're really focused on removing all barriers for people with disabilities and achieving and maintaining gainful employment. Um, That is really the reason why we were founded. And, you know, through my own personal journey, as someone who became totally blind as an adult due to an auto accident, I realized overnight how much privilege I had as someone without a disability, on top of being a white male, right? Just not having a disability, I didn't realize how much privilege I had. And then overnight, just started to see not just societal uh, barriers and stigmas and and stereotypes being put upon me, um, but really uh, being humiliated and insulted talked down to. It's just, it was ridiculous. And then when I went into the corporate world, I had no idea how it was basically that same type of sentiment, Mm -hmm. but with a corporate bail on top of it. And I thought to myself, wow, like here I am, I've got this education, I can articulate myself, like thank God for my cognitive faculties. I have resources. I'm so blessed. And what about everyone else with a disability who is not as fortunate as me? What about those people who are by themselves, who are alone, who don't have the support, who don't have the resources, who don't have the same equal footing as I do? Man, I just just knew that something 
better can be done. And that's what we do at Accessibility Officers, helping companies become disability ready so that they can not just hire people, recruit people with disabilities, but actually retain them and leverage them uh, for the value and assets that they bring to the organization. Fantastic. That, that personal experience um, that really kind of often drives us and, and motivates us to want to uh, improve opportunities, um, not just for ourselves, but for those around us and those that we don't know, right? Is creating those, fostering those, those moments, those interactions. And really that's what the show is about is creating interactions, bringing that awareness and hopefully uh, planting the seeds for hiring managers, for uh, corporate leaders to really gain a better understanding that, you know, a person who has accessed your, uh, whether it's like a high um, application, like a portal where you're recruiting from and bringing somebody in to interview uh, through all those processes that if somebody's gotten to sit across the table from you, that means that they have the skills, the knowledge abilities, uh, they have the things that you're looking for as an organization, as a hiring manager, and it's providing that opportunity is, is uh, evaluating that client um based on their those abilities not based on the disability and trying to figure out how to employ somebody there so it sounds like accessibility really helps organizations look at it from that initial posting all the way through to sustaining employment and as we talked about earlier this week and, and in the past about it's not just that getting somebody in the door, but how do you support them going forward? So I'm really excited about today's show um, and sharing your knowledge uh, with our listeners today. And thinking about that, what would you say, Tanner, would be from, from an organization perspective, what, what might be some of the mistakes or common mistakes that companies may make when they're working towards achieving their, uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion goals? Uh, great question. What I'm seeing right now in the marketplace, you know, you know, two big things that come to mind right away is that companies are hot recruiting and hiring people with disabilities first and not really assessing their capacity and capability, their disability readiness, to actually understand from an organizational perspective, how do we support this individual? Because it really takes that holistic organizational mindset and commitment in order to make any disability employment program successful. So a gap in organizational awareness and synchronicity. The second thing that uh, that I really see is a lack of um, a executive commitment, right? So there's a, a really low level of executive commitment and accountability for the goals that we have uh, put in place as an organization. So, you know, I think that one of the big differentiators between, um, you know, how accessibility officer approaches this and, and other organizations that may provide a similar service is that I understand what it means to approach a situation, especially people with disabilities, with, with a lack of awareness, a lack of education, a lack of understanding, and especially a lack of empathy. And, and I know this in, intimately because I did it to myself, right? As a, as a totally sighted person, a white male, an adult, never had a problem getting employment, never had a problem navigating, never even interacted with a blind person prior to me losing my sight, I immediately wrote myself off. And I thought that my life was over. I thought my life was meaningless. I thought it was worthless. I literally thought to the core of my being that I would sit in a corner and stare at the wall for the rest of my life. Hmm. And that is just obnoxious. Right. If, if someone in the corporate world said that or someone in any kind of public setting said that, you know, especially in today's culture, you know, it would not be it would not be, uh, you know, sunny days ahead. Right. But that's what I did. And I know that that's a lot of 
a lot of executives and a lot of HR professionals have the same level of awareness and understanding. We know blind people exist and we know that they do things differently, but we have no clue how they do it, how they're going to do it, and more importantly, how they're going to competitively do it in my organization. You know, there's, there's great study, as you know, there's great studies that Audi puts out on HRs and executives understanding for what it means to be disability inclusive and what it takes to get there. And the lack of awareness is astounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's so, so true. And blindness in particular and, and disabilities as a whole, right? But blindness in particular is such a low prevalence. And, you know, generally about 2% of the population is somebody who is blind and vision impaired within the disability community. So when you have that first interaction, whether it's in a work setting or, or anywhere else, right? It, it's that lack of understanding, sometimes awkwardness. What is, what is this person you know, with this disability doing in this setting? Why are they here? You know, I go to the movies on, on a regular basis and, and the looks or the, uh, you know, the stares of, of people when I'm walking in a, you know, grocery store, whatever it is with my guide dog. So there certainly is that awkwardness or uncomfortable. And it's through, um, you know, through your organization, through Arizona Industries for Blind and other organizations that work to bring change and bring awareness and change that perception um, and help people gain a better understanding that, you know, whether it's a piece of technology, it, you know, evaluating your systems or processes going forward. But you also mentioned that commitment. Uh, there seems to be a lot of conversation, uh, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI going around right now. And, and over the last several years, there's been a, a bigger emphasis on that. Groups are being focused on, but we also need to look at the untapped workforce of people with disabilities. We need to make sure that disability and accessibility is included in DEI uh, from, from our perspective. I, I, a million percent. I mean, if there's the top three things that I'm saying in the marketplace is the first two that I mentioned. And then what you're basically, what we're broaching here is that organizations are using or trying to leverage traditional DE&I strategies and tactics, applying them to people with disabilities and not understanding how insufficient or inadequate those strategies and tactics are. And then also because of the, the thing that we were talking about earlier, the lack of awareness, education, understanding, Mm-hmm. is that they don't understand, they can't understand, like, why is it not working? It's worked for LGBTQ, it's worked for our women, it's worked for our racial diversity, but why is it not working here? Yeah, absolutely, right? It, it's the way I said, and you mentioned commitment, right? And from leadership um, and ensuring that they're building that culture within their organization. So the hiring managers, the managers, the supervisors and other employees are aware of and support the process. And, you know, uh, I think that there may be sometimes, as you, I think you mentioned, you know, the gaps in that is, is how we, we fill those gaps and provide uh, that, that plan or strategic plan uh, roadmap and, and build uh, an effective program that supports people with disabilities, which really kind of thinks to me is, in terms of organizations who are, we, we talked about some of the, the, who are considering it, those who implement and get it right compared to who don't get it right, despite uh, a lot of time, you know, spending a lot of money in the process to try and implement a disability inclusion program. Over your career and, and through accessibility officer, where do you see those who are doing it uh, the right way and those who are, are struggling? Great question, David. I'm so glad we're going hard on these. Um, so the the companies that are really doing it right, like they have that commitment, but they lead by example, and they're not they're not afraid to communicate truth and or progress or their weaknesses, and they're committed to getting it right by leveraging expertise outside the organization or bringing expertise into the organization. So let's kind of unpack that a little bit. So, you know, organizations that are getting this right, that are committing to it and, and leveraging external or internal expertise. 
right? So one of the common misunderstandings about the disability community is how robust and diverse it is. Like not only are there so many different types of disabilities right across sensory, motor, cognitive, other, right? There's so many types of disabilities, but then there's the continuum of severity, right? I'm totally blind. So my needs as someone who's blind or visually impaired is gonna be different than someone who may need lower vision, who needs magnification, or maybe needs a different lighting around the office. And, and then that's gonna be even different than someone who's blind and managing another disability, let's say an invisible disability. Like me, myself, I have attention deficit disorder. I was diagnosed ADD before there was ever an H. More recently in my professional career, I realized I am not as competitive or strong as I could be with medication. And so that's a simple accommodation that my doctor can provide me in order for me to be my best. And so understanding what accommodations that employers can provide their employees so that they can be their best, they can be competitive. It's not like whether or not they can, it's whether the environment allows. And if that, if we agree on that premise, then we simply have to make the right decisions at the right time in order to make that change. And how do we do that? With information and assessments and an understanding, an unbiased understanding of where we're at. And so when we're talking about communicating the truth and being honest and open and transparent with where we are, we need to do organizational assessments. We need to bring our employees into the conversation because they are the community. We need to tap internal and outside resources. We need to organize individuals within the organization into groups with strategic plans, roadmaps, goals, initiatives, and you know, getting back to that executive commitment and accountability, we've got to have leadership involved mm-hmm. in every step of the way. Because without that, nothing's really gonna get done. So true, and your passion is just exhilarating. You know, I hear that in your voice. Um, and the clarity of the message that you're sending is, is just fantastic. And, and, I, and I thank you for that. Uh, you know, talking about engaging the employees, uh, finding out what their needs are, how they can best be successful and working together as a team to create an environment. Um, you know, really talking about identifying constraints or things that are barriers that may not be seen without having that that viewpoint from the end user, from from the person, the disabled person. So it's important to bring those those folks to the table, absolutely. And really think about how you expand your organization, your processes, um, and being flexible in that. Because I think it seems like when I'm in organizations and having conversations about uh, awareness and and abilities to be with disability is, well, we do it this way. And you have to try and work through, um, okay, that's great. W- you know, what if you did it this way or why do you have to do it that way and have conversations? Do you agree with that in terms of, you know, flexibility and, and things like that? Yeah, I mean, 100%. You asked like a very similar question that I ask the companies that I'm working with, which is, is that, you know, you're right. You have been doing this like this forever. What is the possibility? What is the possibility that there might be a better way to do this? Not different than what you're doing, mm-hmm. but in addition to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, because everybody believes their baby's gorgeous. My baby's beautiful. It's a genius. You know, it's, you know, it is number one athlete all the time. Like everybody's baby's perfect, never done anything wrong. And mm-hmm. our organizations, like, you know, the leaders of our organizations feel that way about our companies, right? Like that's why they rose up to that leadership position. They really believe in the company and it's their baby and they take ownership of that. And so any type of, any kind of threat to mm-hmm. that, especially from a perspective of one where they're not experts in where they really have no kind of background or referential information, just human psychology is like, you know, is, is, is risk aversion. Whoa, 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 hey, we do this already. We're great. We've already been looked at. We're addressing this. We have policies around this. We've got, we've hired people with 
disabilities. We're actively recruiting people with disabilities. I've heard HR professionals tell me this directly, mm -hmm. and yet I know their gaps. Like I can, it's like with, without even doing a comprehensive organizational assessment, just doing an initial assessment, mm -hmm. I can tell not only do you guys have gaps organizationally, like in your procurement and your IT, but how how you're onboarding people mm -hmm. with disabilities mm -hmm. has opportunities for improvement. So, you know, and, and I do this too. And it's like, it's, it's natural, you know, it's natural to, to want to protect your baby. But the companies that really get it right are open to the idea that there's a way to do it better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so true about protection of, or this is what got us to where we are and it's going to continue to move us forward. But you can certainly also, I think, tell the success of a program, not just that the fact that you hired, you know, one or two or three or, or many people who are bl uh, blind or visually impaired or have other disability, but have you moved those people into other upward mobility opportunities, right? And valuing the contribution that they bring to an organization and through that process, the organization continues to grow and, and become more diverse, having more voices at the table and so forth. So it's not just, hey, I hired somebody. It's how you support that, how you sustain it, how you grow that person as you would any other employee. Well, I mean, David, you're just like so modestly, uh, you know, shining your amazing uh, leadership and experience uh, with regards to this, right? So you know, a company, most companies are just thinking about hiring and recruiting and retaining, right? Like who's really thinking about talent identification? Who's really thinking about career advancement and communicating that? Who's thinking about mentorship strategies for people with disabilities? And who's thinking about executive training that's inclusive? You know, one thing to consider is that if you have a rising star in your organization, they just happen to have a disability. Have you thought about their subordinates their ability to take direction from someone who is disabled, air quotes, you know? Um, so, you know, so I mentioned this because obviously you know your audience a little bit better than me. These are the types of five moves ahead type of strategies that, you know, AIB and accessibility officer are oriented around. So yeah, I'm, I'm loving this conversation, David. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, my pleasure. And I have a perfect guest uh, for this conversation because I think it's really important to have your perspective as a person uh, who is blind, as well as a person who's, who has the experience, who has the, the background to help organizations see some of the things, the challenges. And as you mentioned, really is, is being willing to, to look at that and then work towards identifying solutions to that and that includes a lot of different things, right? Not, we talked about onboarding and, and nowadays um, technology is, is involved in just about every aspect of our lives, uh, personal and professional. I find myself many times running into digital accessibility. Right? Typically, we'll, we'll say that there are uh, many barriers to employment for people with disabilities. Uh, someone who is blind primarily is um, some of the top ones are uh, access to safe, reliable, and affordable transportation. Additional barriers are the perception, and that's why we're doing this show, is, is changing that perception. And the third is really, is, I, I think it's really, um, you know, not in any particular order, but digital accessibility. And for an employee um, or consumer even to be able to access the information coming out of your organization or internally into your organization. So um, from, from your perspective in terms of becoming disability ready, how does this digital accessibility influence that? Great question. Uh, so it is critical. It is uh, an absolute must. It is something that if you don't have in place, then you are not disability ready. If you don't know how accessible your work environments are, like why are you recruiting people with disabilities? If you don't know how accessible your work environments are, 
why are you recruiting people with disabilities? Mm -hmm. So if you don't know how accessible your work environments are, then you probably don't know how accessible your procurement practices are. What are the questions that you're asking your software vendors before you make an organizational buy? Mm -hmm. How are you equipping your IT in order to problem solve and troubleshoot application specific issues with a screen reader, with a magnifier? So, you know, digital accessibility is more than, than just making sure that a PC or a Mac has voiceover or JAWS turned on, mm -hmm. right? It takes, it, getting back to the first problem that I see in the marketplace, it's like it really takes an organizational commitment and synchronicity in order to make all this happen. And then, so then we do that, okay? So we've got this work environment accessible and, you know, what do I mean by that? Okay, so we've validated that our vendors are accessible. The software platforms themselves are accessible and or at least the areas at which the person with a disability is accessing. There's third-party vendor management strategies in order to improve accessibility that are tangential to the point that I just mentioned. I won't go into that now, but is, so let's say we get our vendors and we know that the work environment is digitally accessible, but then our person with a disability needs a different type of accommodation. You know, the, mm -hmm. they, need, uh, they need a different type of software. They need, because of the way that your organization has addressed document accessibility, you now need to provide this employee with a specialized optical character recognition software that enables them to access the communications that your employees are sending uh, that are inaccessible. So it's not just the workstation, what I'm saying, is that it's like how we communicate holistically as an organization. How do we prepare for meetings? How do we make sure that every person on the team can access that and be included? How are we going to be addressing data visualization during these meetings? Meaning, how do we share with someone who's blind or visually impaired what the PowerPoint means? Mm -hmm. and, and then how do we include them digitally in that conversation that happens day to day, right? Is it mm -hmm. Slack? Is it some other type of messenger? What do we, you know? So there's there's so many there's so much other nuance. Again, this is like this is like that overarching problem is that disability equity and inclusion goes so much beyond just understanding that people with disabilities have different needs. Mm -hmm. It's being able to anticipate those needs, but also being able to being ready to uh, adapt to those needs because when I say adapt to those needs it's because the world it's not this thing that we have to recreate for people with disabilities mm -hmm. it's because we made problems we made the mistakes earlier we created this world that was exclusionary to begin with we just didn't know that right yep yeah we you, you make it to the masses or you uh you build it to a sp certain specification or to one specific genre and and you know not with ever having the thought in mind that someone's going to have to access it using a keyboard versus you know clicking a mouse or uh facial recognition and and lots of other things right we talking about digital accessibility here uh, but we also talk about some of the other maybe some other technology um as ai becomes more part of the, the recruiting process um, is someone you know, who might not be able to make eye contact with the camera or is off center or uh, doesn't have mobility, uh, use of their hands or, or whatever it may be, is what, what are we doing as an organization, as a, as a company to make sure that we eliminate those biases um, or those kind of restraints that maybe prohibit somebody who has the right talents and skills and, and everything from even getting in the door. And like you said, once you're in the door working with your employees are accessing, uh, you know, supplier vendor portals or, um, you know, working with your software vendors to make sure that, Hey, we're going to roll this new version of XYZ. Is it going to be screen are, are the buttons screen reader, friendly are they tagged and labeled so that when they have to you know hit enter they know where that button is yeah 
Well, and then it's like, so, so it's like, oh my gosh, we're identifying all these problems, right? And we're barely even skimming the surface, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's like, oh my gosh, like HR professionals, executives, they have so much on their plate already. Like, how are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. And it's, and you take the same approach that accessibility officer does, right? Like, I'm the managing director of accessibility officer, and I have personal lived experience as both someone with a disability and without mm-hmm. a disability, mm-hmm. but I don't know everything. I don't leave, I'm not the knower of all everything disability inclusion because there's just so much to know. There's right. you can have PhD after PhD, and there's still more to know about accessibility and, and disability employment inclusion. So so we have we've acquired internal resources to that we leverage that specialize in those things. And companies can do the same thing. They either hire resources, they bring it in internally, or they leverage experts and they go faster. Absolutely. Or they synchronize the two, right? They leverage experts to go fast while they're bringing on internal resources. And, and that's a magical moment. But yes, that's, you feel what I'm putting down. Absolutely, 100%. I don't want to say it seems simple, right? It seems uh, uh, obvious. Uh, it's about making those connections and getting our audience, getting the, the organizations that you're working to uh, work, you know, your partnership to get that aha moment and understand that, yeah, it, it's manageable, it's doable, it brings a lot of diversity, wealth. I, I'm going to say use the word wealth to the organization in terms of value and um, contributions to your organization by um, having in a, a program that um, in, is disability ready, that is focused on employing people with disabilities and utilizing their, their talents and their skills and their uh, backgrounds and experiences. All, all those things come into the workplace and it's, really recognizing that and, and having that focus that says, I, I value that. And you are a valuable member of that, con- that organization and contribution. Yeah. So we're talking a lot of different things here about uh, digital accessibility, about some of the barriers, what is done right, and, and what is organizations may have challenges or, or you know, kind of go off in the weeds and, and have this concept that this is what we want to do, but never seem to get there. In terms of time and, and making sure that we're we're doing good, but I'd love to hear maybe sharing with our our listeners today, what are some of the tactics that they may be able to implement right away to help them, you know, get on the road and achieving their diversity, equity, inclusion, and becoming disability ready. Yeah, totally. And we're about twenty three minutes, so time. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Uh, this is really important to me because. These, uh, these tactics can be like are pretty much free, uh, what I'm about to share with you. And uh, some of them are going to be uh, more relevant for organizations that maybe have already started their journey, uh, but this should be applicable to almost everybody that's um, watching and listening. So we kind of talked about this, advance the uh, organizational mindset towards inclusion, that commitment, and then synchronize departmental operational ability, right? So it's like, you know, is the procurement bone connected to the IT bone, which is connected to the HR bone, which is connected to the executive bone, right? Which is connected to, you know, the service delivery department. Um, so, so how do we do that? And then increase executive, uh, uh, well, first off, we've been talking about this, it's communication. How do we do that? It's communication, right? So we've got to establish the goal, right? create a strategy to achieve that goal and outline the tactics to do that. So if we're applying that to operational, uh, departmental operational ability with regards to disability inclusion, then we need to have HR saying, hey, IT, hey, procurement, we're bringing on these people. What, what problems do we need to look out for? Uh, please be aware of this. You know, and IT and procurement is is talking with HR, hey, we're running into this issue with our vendor. What do you think? How does this expose us to risk? IT is like, oh my gosh, you know, we're really having problems. We're really having problems with this application. We can't seem to get it to work. We really need a third-party vendor management strategy here uh, because we're, our hands are tied. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, you know, 
those are just some communicative examples of what fluid uh, department operation um, operation should look like. So, of course, we already talked about increased executive executive sponsorship and communications and accountability. So, I won't go into that one too much anymore. But this is really critical. Uh, this next one, which is determine and provide actionable data that informs accurately informs the decision making process. Right. So, how many people with disabilities do we have self-identified that are employed by us. Mm-hmm. How many, then that might give you an idea of how many we might not know about, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know the numbers, right? So we can conservatively estimate that it's 15% of our employee population has a disability. So if we've got hundred employees and we think that we've only got two people with disabilities, there's probably 10 or 13 more lying around somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so so how do we how do we communicate that and this executive communication and commitment is is we've got to rally the troops and let them know what our organizational goals are. We got to let them know that we know we don't know everything, and we're trying to figure that out. We're going to be going through some assessments in order to figure this out. Right? We have to get accurate information to inform the business decision making process. If we like, for example, if we find out of the 10 people that we have hired with disabilities, eight of them are blind or visually impaired, and two have cognitive impairments. Maybe we focus on supporting the existing employees we have, Mm -hmm. create programs, policies, and processes around these specific disability types, and then begin to build out the program from there. Meaning either focus, you know, continue to rinse and repeat, right? This is, this is, this is not. This is not uh, this is not patent pending information, right? Like Microsoft, right, right. Microsoft is doing this, right? They're they have a huge focus on cognitive impairment, specifically the you know people with autism, mm-hmm. right? And so if you if you have this accurate information informing your business decision process, then you can allocate resources, focus, attention, and create accountability correctly in order to support your existing employees. And what's that going to do? You're going to get higher performance out of them. You're going to get greater commitment. You're going to see your team, the actual people, the employees with, in their quotes, without disabilities, seeing how inclusive the organization is. They may self-identify. They may then ask for an accommodation that gets them 5% more productive, 10% more productive, 20% more productive. They start thinking about new creative ways to, to operate. They're, they're internally, intrapreneurially mm-hmm. creating uh, operational innovation. Absolutely. Yeah. They begin, it's like this whole cascading effect that happens, right? When we invest in our people, it's, you know, the the thing that I say is uh, drive, ability, DNI, maximize ROI. It's like when we really drive our inclusion in our organization, that's when we're going to really start to see the benefits because all the unmeasurables that I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. they they organically start to happen. And mm-hmm. that's how we get uh, disability, um, <clears throat> like uh, disability goal oriented to really becoming disability ready. Wow, so powerful. And the, the fact that motivating or, or driving an organization is really taking that internal look, uh, as you're talking about, look at the data, look what you have currently internally and building upon those successes, what you've achieved in one area, focus on another area and continue to grow and continue to to innovate and and find ways that um, support and help an organization achieve all their goals in terms of disability employment. And just very, very powerful uh, response to that. and And I appreciate that very much. We talked about some of those things in in terms of driving that that data. Are there are there things that your organization can do to help and help a company or partner that you're working with build that strategy or gather that information um, in terms of helping them moving forward? Yeah, totally. I mean, there's there's multiple opportunities. So. 
uh, for organizations that really want to have a specific conversation about their needs, what their goals are, what their current situation is, is we offer initial strategy sessions, complimentary, it's just one of the ways that we help the community. And, and we will identify some problems, we'll identify some solutions, we'll identify some strategies, we'll give you actionable tips to actually implement and start to make change. And then if, if you want to continue working with us, then we can figure that out. The other thing is, is that we offer a free disability readiness quiz. Uh, I believe it's like nine or 10 questions. It should take less than 10 minutes to do. And it gives you a real high level overview of what your disability readiness is uh, based on your answers. And then you'll get a, um, those answers are weighted and based on your disability uh, ranking, your readiness score, you'll get some um, customized uh, solutions or tactics and strategies based on where you may be at organizationally from a disability readiness perspective. So there's two things. So strategy session and the disability readiness quiz. Awesome. So the, the self-assessment uh, tool that you have, is that on your website? And, and where would somebody who is looking to implement a process or even just evaluate where they are in the process, I think would be a good tool as well, right? Totally. Uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, if you want to get really an unbiased, uh, an unbiased assessment of where you may or may not be at is, you know, have your, uh, have your director of HR, have your, your CH, uh, your CHR, uh, your CHO, uh, CHRO, you know, take the assessment, have an, another executive take the assessment, have a supervisor take the assessment. Have as many people as you want to take the assessment, but it's a really great objective way to see what employee sentiment is, what employee understanding is, what awareness is, and where you're at organization, right? Because an executive is going to say one thing. A frontline manager is going to say something else. Absolutely. And then the third opinion is going to be the employee. Mm-hmm. And there's there's even some there's even some other conversations and different things that are happening in between there. But those are the three conversations that there's four, but those three conversations are ones we should be having, you know, and if we're not having them, like if we're not assessing ourselves at those different levels, if we're not communicating, people don't understand the responsibilities and how they're being held accountable. Mm-hmm. Again, and we don't have that executive commitment, nothing's going to change. So yeah, those are, uh, yeah, those are some things that I'd be looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And, and having open, honest conversations uh, internally at all levels really is important to understanding opportunities for improvement. And really that's what the companies ultimately want, right? Is to continue to improve, to find ways to innovate and find ways to grow and serve all the needs of their internal, you know, all their stakeholders, internal customers, external customers, and uh, the community as a whole and how to, you bring that value is that you're committed to that. So I think having those conversations internally as well as externally, what's working for us, you know, what can we do better to improve our relationship or interaction with our with our customer base or whoever that end user is. So it's having taking those assessments, I think is crucial and being honest and realistic in those responses. Well and and you know like let's take a again like Let's take a, a strategy, you know, a strategy play out of like the Fortune 500 playbook, right? So, you know, it was just Global Accessibility Awareness Day was on the 19th, right? It just passed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and what did we see a lot of organizations talk about? Like, what did we see a lot of public releases about? It was, it was, or press releases. It was all about how organizations are, in one way or another, they're committing to their customer accessibility experience. They're committing to their uh, disability employment programs. They're expanding this way and they're expanding that way. It's all these different commitments about how they're becoming more and more inclusive and what they've already done, what they're doing, and why that's important. Mm-hmm. And but why would they be doing that? If you are not leveraging your disability employment program, your customer experience accessibility program, if you're not marketing that information to demographics that are trying to align their wallets with the companies that they believe in that share the same principles with them, you're really trying to make lifetime customers talking about what you're doing for people with disabilities. 
mm-hmm. is a good strategy to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic conversation. I really appreciate your insights and sharing that with our, our listener base here today. So we talked about a variety of different things and how organizations can connect with you, what what you bring to the table and having either, you know, bringing somebody in third party, like accessible ability into the program. In terms of your organization and, and you the, the knowledge and wealth of knowledge that you bring to, to the table, what other things are you doing? What else do you have coming up in, in the pipeline for you, Tanner? Thanks so much. So uh, thank you for asking. <laughs> well, if anybody wants to connect with me, accessability, double A, accessabilityofficer.com. You can, you can take the disability readiness quiz there. You can reach out for a strategy session. And we are incredible. We can't make any announcements right there with the Accessibility Officer Fund, but we've got some exciting projects in our pipeline right now. Uh, so more to come on that. But uh, outcomes will be more people who are blind and visually impaired will become employed and more um, accessible digital experiences will be created. Um, the, on the other side is, um, as you mentioned at the top of the call, which I am so pumped up about, is uh, Foresight Augmented Reality, or FAR, uh, who creates augments physical environments and transportation uh, to be accessible for people with disabilities. And historically, we focused on blindness and visual impairment, as you have suggested. We broaden that scope um, to be more holistically inclusive, covering aging populations and people with multiple disabilities, and um, have been recognized by the Department of Transportation uh, for our autonomous vehicle accessibility solution to ensure that autonomous vehicles are accessible to people with disabilities. So that is, I'm trying to be careful about, <laughs> about what I say, uh, sure. because just, just because of timelines here. But yeah, but yeah so uh, super excited about that. Maybe I can share a link with you, uh, David, about that shows a demo of the solution, but it's so cool. Uh, it enables uh, a totally blind person or someone with multiple disabilities, a cognitive impairment, um, to find an autonomous vehicle without any reference about where they are in relationship to it, except for their mobile device. Everything is accessible through the mobile device. We can actually guide a totally blind person to find an autonomous vehicle without human intervention. And we use the same technology to guide a totally blind person or someone aging or cognitive impairments from the vehicle to the business of the actual front door of their real final destination without human intervention. Technology is awesome. And uh, that's what I'm really excited about. Fantastic. Things really exciting. We've had some offline conversations about it. Really exciting stuff, right? And, and bringing that holistic approach to and innovation to advancing technology and you know, Tom's vehicles um, is is coming in the, is here and and is growing and looking in terms of future for uh, bringing uh, people with all sorts of disabilities to the workplace or just in, into the community and having that uh, independence that helps foster that inclusion into the community and that's ultimately what what we're all doing here as you know whether it's in public relations or through our business activities is really to create that inclusion and, and foster that independence. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm so pumped that I had the chance to have this conversation with you. What you just said right now made like reminded me of this like small desire in the back of my heart to become uh, a politician because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not a big politic guy, but I never, I would have never have thought in my entire life that I would have been able to make this kind of an impact for so many people in the wake of such a tremendous, in air quotes, tragedy. And it was this thing that allowed me to, you know, become a U.S. Paralympian and go to London and to, you know, to play beat baseball, you know, baseball for the blind and to, you know, to you know, get placed through the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, you know, athlete career program, get placed into a job that is digital. You know, it's like all these things, confluence coming together to, to, uh, to give me the opportunity to help so many people. And it's like, when I, and so the, the, I'm rambling, but the politician thing is like, man, like, what if, like, this is the Mm -hmm. only thing that would drive me to it's like, what if 
like I could create legislation around to get the ADA of 1990 to become the ADA of today. Like how do we create more accessibility with digital solutions that are beyond what we're currently achieving? I've never one time in my life ran my hands across the wall throughout a building to try to find a braille sign to find where I'm at. I, I'll use it in the elevator and I'll use it at a hotel room, but it's like, why are we still using, why are mm -hmm. we still using, or excuse me, why are we only using that with regards to sensory disabilities? You know, for mm -hmm. physical. So there's so much work to be done. I'm so blessed to be in this industry. I'm so blessed to have you as my friend and a colleague. Thanks so much for having me today, David. Thank you, and and I'll vote for you there, Tanner. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it right. I'm gonna leave it right there. Um, that just powerful, impactful words, and and thank you for sharing uh, your insights. We're we're bumping up on our our time here, but I'm just so grateful to to know you. Grateful to have you uh, on the show today. You can be found. Uh, you want to just do a quick shout out and how to contact you real quick. Yeah, thank you. So uh, we uh, chopped up my last name in a really strange way and pronounced it differently just to confuse everybody. It was intentional and uh, it was premeditated. So uh, my last name is pronounced years, like shifting years, but there's only four letters and it's G-E-R-S. So I'm everywhere at Tanner Gears uh, on LinkedIn. Um, you can, I'm, I'm mostly uh, busy on LinkedIn. I, I have Instagram and Twitter and all the other accounts, but um, I'm, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. And then of course, at accessibilityofficer.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, that's going to wrap up our show. I want to thank uh, Arizona Industries for Blind and Enterprise Nonprofit Organization dedicated to empowering uh, people who are blind and vision impaired to achieve their highest goals and aspirations through dignified employment for allowing me to take time to do this show today. I want to thank uh, Phoenix Business Radio X and their staff to help get this show uh, together and, and on air and, and put out to the, the world through wherever you find uh, your podcast. And I hope that today's episode just goes to help uh, solidify, uh, maybe change a little perspective that people who are blind, visually impaired, people with disabilities can compete in the workplace if they have the right training, the right technology, and we also have to have the right attitude. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time with your host, David Steinmetz. Be sure to subscribe to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time on your favorite podcast platform and tune in live on Phoenix Business Radio X every third Friday at 1 p.m. We hope you feel inspired by today's conversation and maybe we've even sparked a new idea or opportunity.